Ring in 2015 Smodco style with Hollywood Babylon New Year's Babel Eve. Two shows at the Brea Improv. Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman will recount the year's biggest celebrity news with their own unique spin. Snag a complimentary glass of champagne and toast with a host with the most. New Year's Babel Eve at the Brea Improv. Go to csmod.com for tickets. Geek News Reviews, Commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary Big Ball Broadcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, all the geeky news you can use. This is Kyle A. on the West Coast, voice actor and the voice of Sir Dude here on SmartGo. And your co-host of the East Coast, Other World Steve. I'm an amateur historian and a musician. Yeah, so here we are. We made it to episode two. This is good because, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of time to, to, to work on the debut and then everything falls apart, right? It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch this new podcast. It's going to be so great. And then, it, and then everyone just goes in five different, different directions, right? But here we are. We're still here. We, we ruined it from the first one, so it's all downhill from here. The bar was set so extremely low that we figure now... We have to set the bar even lower. How can you make it even worse? Um, by us talking, I guess. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So uh, what we do every week um, is we do a live audio stream. So we, when, when Steve and I record the podcast, we can get a chat room going. We can have people listening live as we record so we can make it interactive. And uh, if you guys have any interest at all, uh, we usually do that on Tuesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, the way you know, it's like, hey, dude, what about the links? Well, the links, just to make it easy, we post the links on our Twitter feed. And our Twitter is at BB Broadcast, okay? Follow that, first of all. And then you'll be able to uh, join the chat room, which has its own link. You're going to be able to join the audio feed, courtesy of a nice little uh, app called Mixler. And um, then you can hear me and Steve, and we're talking on Skype. And then it ends up for the whole world to consume or get completely blitzed listening to via Smodco Internet Radio and uh, online for you guys to stream or download. So um, it's a circle of life sort of thing, I guess. And if you're of age, I would definitely recommend the listening blitzed thing. <laughs> See, I go out of my way probably because I'm just a boring dude. I, 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 don't, touch, I don't touch the green stuff, but um, Steve, however, um, th there, his name is Otherworld Steve for a reason, right? It's not just a Dragon Ball Z reference. No, it's very ethereal over here, and I'm amongst <laughs> the clouds. So. <laughs> Self-induced clouds? I mean, they're just yeah, billowing out. Purple clouds. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? But um, it doesn't impede uh, much. You know, I think uh, alcohol is more impeding in that regard. Get the slurs and the delays. You might get a little bit of delay out of me, but I'm kind of sharp. I think I kind of still know what's going on. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so by the time you guys are hearing this podcast, it's already past Black Friday. It's past Thanksgiving. As we record this, though, it's right before Thanksgiving, right before Black Friday. We got some folks in the chat room that are actually working on Black Friday. I'm sure they have some some real nasty shit stories to to dissipate about. But um, we'll wait for the lag to catch up so they can they can talk about 
all that stuff. I'm, you know, we were talking before we hit record that we are very blessed. We don't have to work retail. This is, and especially this time of year. I, yes, I, I've said it numerous times, but I'll say it again for the sake of the new listeners. Um, I don't know how you do what you do, i.e. being self-employed, going uh, audition to audition, keeping your fingers crossed for job to job. I just, I couldn't imagine living that type of lifestyle, but more power to you. I, however, I have uh, basically a nine to five, but I'm also in management, so I'm on call. Um, I provide supports to adults with developmental disabilities. I've been doing that for about 20 years now. And uh, everything else I do is on the side, the music and uh, the uh, historian stuff. But, um, yeah, not being in retail, I couldn't imagine. I, I did it years and years. I did it the year um, Power Rangers was really big, 1991, when we got the first, um, I think there were eight-inch Power Rangers figures. And that was ridiculous. That was insane. And I did manage to snag some from my case in the back room. <laughs> so you I see, you want to nice profit. You want to see the worst in humanity. Forget all the rioting. Forget all that and the political stuff. It's when the hottest toys for the holiday season come out. That's when you see people show their real true colors. Now I'm imagining there's no Elmo toy out there. That's the big thing in light of you know current situations. No, I, I guess not. But I mean, <laughs> I can't tell what's real and what's clickbait anymore. It's like, here's Barbie with acne. Like, what, is that a legit thing? I think that's something an artist created. It comes in the, uh, in the package comes decals that have acne, tattoos, stretch marks for a, a woman, a, a, a young woman to accurately recreate her body style on that figure. But I don't think it's something that's commercially available right now. Mm, okay. Fun stuff. But, you know, um, yeah. we got to jump right into something really weird, hectic, chaotic, controversial, one might say. What? Black Friday. And there's something significant, really significant that's going on this Black Friday, but only in limited locations. You care to clue us in on that, Kyle? Uh, well, again, by the time people hear this podcast, people have watched it probably in glorious HD because... It was bootlegged on 8 million phones, uh, hopefully in landscape mode. <laughs> but yeah, just a handful of regal theaters uh, on Black Friday weekend debuted a new teaser trailer that's not even what? It's not even, it's what, 88 seconds or something? 88 seconds, yes. Yeah, that's the magical number. And believe it or not, as, as much of a hardcore Star Wars fan as I've been through the years, you know, the typical cynical, jaded one that, that you know, loved it as a kid, and then we're like, ah, we're old farts, and we can't stand what it's become, but we still go. And we say, here, here's our money, so we'll continue to bitch about it. Uh, so, obviously, by the time you hear this, we will have uh, gone on social media and give you our thoughts. So, right now, we can't we can't testify to that, but I can say... I, for one, am not going to go to the theater just to see this because I imagine within a matter of days or even hours, you might just magically have another one of those quote-unquote leaks, that, like what happened with Avengers 2. I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that because it's always been my experience that you, you're generally an early adopter, and I can see yeah. you going out and seeing a film uh, this weekend just to... Uh, see that trailer in particular i do like the comment across social media and you made the same comment 
If you're going to film the trailer while you're in the theater, please do it in landscape mode. Your phone is not a potato. <laughs> so, the, the, I mean, the thing that I've been holding fast to is trying to avoid potential spoilers about the story. I did that with the prequel trilogy, and I regretted it because it took me out of the movie. I kept on anticipating things I'd read about three years previously. It's like, okay, now it's the scene when this is going to happen. And okay, that didn't play out that cool. Okay, now this big scene's gonna happen. I mean, I don't want to do. I want to. I want to go and enjoy it the way I did as a kid. And um, I, I'm sure the teaser trailer will give you just enough, and hopefully not too much. Um, we'll know again by the time you hear this. It's like, hey guys, old story. I know, I know. But uh, we can only talk about the future in, in, in so many words. Um, but yeah, but I, and honestly, it boils talk- down to Steve. What it boils down to is I'm, I'm getting older and I don't want to wait six hours in line to, to, especially just for a trailer. No, I hear you. And, um, I don't even have the opportunity. I think the closest state showing the trailer is New York and it's certainly not worth the ride to go check that out. Um, what I did want to discuss briefly though, is it's only showing in nine cities in the United States, no other country is going to have an opportunity that we're aware of yet to see this trailer in theaters. Right. You know, nine cities were selected. Um, I th- speculate, I theorize the reason is those nine theaters are probably going to be filled by Disney thugs. And I think they're going to be watching for those phones. Oh yeah. I guess, I guess that's true. I mean, I think it's kind of funny. I mean, there there are movies in the theater this weekend. I think the Penguins of Madagascar, which is probably going to be huge anyway. So I first thought, oh, okay, everyone's going to go watch the trailer and then leave. It's going to be like this mass exodus. But if people are going to pay, you know, 20 bucks a pop to go see these movies in 3D and whatnot, maybe not everyone will get up and leave. I'm sure there will be a small contingency of people that do just want to watch the trailer and then get the hell out of Dodge. Well, what I thought was pretty neat is that the trailer is going to be before every film being shown at each of those locations. I appreciate that. At first we kept hearing it was going to be attached to the new Lord of the Rings. And um, I think it's pretty neat to put it before every single film. So you kind of get to get, get your, uh, get to have your cake and eat it too. You're not stuck having to buy tickets to a movie. You have no intention to see, at least you kind of have a choice. You can look at the board and say, uh, like you said, Madagascar, Penguins of Madagascar, mildly entertaining, I'll, I'll go check that out. And then the bonus is getting to see the trailer attached to that. Dude, I went in, in 1998, I think it was fall 1998, you saw the first Phantom Menace theatrical trailer. They attached it to, like, The Waterboy and Meet Joe Black. And I just said, uh, I guess I'll go watch Waterboy. So I went with a friend of mine. We were both Radio Disney DJs. <laughs> and we went. We paid full price. And it's like, wow, that's cool. Okay, well, can we go? Like, nah, it's this, we paid the money. Might as well watch it. And then, of course, it sucked. Um, so yeah, there you are. I watched the trailer again recently. Somebody had posted it for comparison and the trailer was so much better than the film. Oh yeah, dude. The best, the best thing on the, on the DVD, of course, and now the Blu-ray box set is that, that two hour documentary. (laughs) It's way better than the movie. I like, um, Empire Dreams. That's probably my favorite Star Wars documentary right now. And, um, to bring it back again with Abrams, I think it's really cool. He's introducing, reintroducing the practical effects. And I got to say, you know, as anxious I am for the film, you know, there's going to be a great bonus documentary attached with that release uh, to see the creation and implementation of all these practical effects. You, you can, you know, 
I have the Matrix documentaries and things like that. And you can only stare at a computer screen, screen so long. This is how we assembled this shot in the CG, um, the practical effects stuff. I think that's going to be really cool to watch, as long as it's not too uh, Muppets or Sesame Street. <laughs> yes, I remember when Star Wars first jumped the shark in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that was, uh, that was I, a little I, bit painful. What? Oh, a little it's, painful. It's Come on, Ewoks. Ewoks, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, granted, he came full circle and did give us a big battle on the Wookiee planet, but Seek. yeah, um, but too little, too late. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, th- I think it, it's going to be tough for people like you and I, who aren't old farts, who uh, didn't get to see this all from the beginning, starting in 77 with A New Hope. I think it's going to be kind of jarring with the the prequels in there because you're going to have practical effects for three films, then this really jarring, very clean um, digital work with very wooden wooden actors, and then back to the practical effects. Hmm. Yeah. Oh man. So what was I reading? Uh, a possible rumored another animated series. So they got Star Wars Rebels. And the rumor is that that's going to that's going to go for like three or four seasons and then yet another animated series, which will be set in the current trilogy, which is being produced right now. That sort of thing. I mean, I imagine I mean, it, it's not too too much of a stretch because Marvel is sitting there. Here's our here's our superhero slate for the next 85 years. Why not map out Star Wars, too? I mean, you sh- you know, sure these guys and gals are sitting in a marketing office deciding the fate of, like, okay, well, let's do a bounty hunter movie over here, and we'll do a Wookiee movie and a Yoda movie and a, <laughs> you know, Mace Windu or whatever. I don't know. It has the same potential for that oversaturation I talked about last episode. You're talking five years in a row of Star Wars theatrically on top of what's going on um, on television. I've watched only a few episodes of, um, what the hell is it called again now? Oh, Rebels? Rebels. I've watched a few episodes of Rebels. And and I'll say what I do dig about it so far is getting that um, kind of peek behind the curtain with the Empire to kind of see what's going on um, with the the training of recruits and with other officers. I kind of dig that. It's not the the boring political bullshit we, we dealt with with the prequels. Um, but I, I like that little peek behind the curtain and, and get, getting that depth of what's going on inside the Empire. Yeah, because I think that that only takes place just like five years before A New Hope, something like that. Because I imagine, I think it would be cool, a nice little Easter egg to have like, you know, Luke's buddies, you know, Fixer and uh, What's-Her-Face. Uh, and of course, Biggs, everybody, all his friends that when they went to Tashi Station and all that stuff. Uh, to actually see these people show up in 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 Rebels, and I'm horrible. I, I don't remember characters' names off the top of my head, but the the character that Steve Bloom voices, um, that is the original Ralph McQuarrie designed for Chewbacca, and I thought that was really cool to see that character incorporated into the series. There were a little bit of you know. Uh, a little bit of backlash from the fan community for that, but I thought it was a brilliant nod because they didn't come right out and say, oh, look, we're we're doing this. It just kind of happened. And I was like, wow, that is Macquarie's original design. That's badass. Yeah. Couldn't have it to a nicer guy either. I mean, Steve Bloom opened so many doors for me as a professional voice actor. He he really um, 
helped me out when I first moved to Los Angeles. And, you know, I'm so happy for him, you know, him getting on Star Wars Rebels and him voicing on Box Trolls and uh, getting this this major exposure. So it's like good people. I like when good things happen to good people. Did you get chased around the casting couch? Uh, yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 I got new knee pads and everything. That's how it works. Right. I'm in Hollywood. Is it it working? Is it working for you, Kyle? I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm in the San Fernando Valley. (laughs) You know what they say? Or maybe you don't. I don't know. Anyways. God, what is going on? Okay, so Jesse Lynn in our chat says, hemorrhoids is the dark side of the force. I guess you could argue that. It's certainly a smelly side or a painful side. I'm sure it leads to anger and hate and most definitely suffering. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good comeback, man. I like it. Um, do, don't use the force when you poo. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I'm I'm just I'm just captivated. the The boys and girls in our chat room right now are having uh, completely opposite uh, conversations as opposed to what we're talking about. But I guess that's that's par for the course when it comes to chat rooms. It's expected to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, X Rar it's Jess said something about refusing to get a Wii. I had a Wii and I never played with it. So yeah, I traded it in. Uh, I have a PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One, uh, Vita, and a 3DS, and I'm happy. No more game systems. I'm good. I'm totally good. Yeah, I have a Wii. I uh, don't have a lot of interest in playing with it. And even my kids uh, at 4 and 7 kind of don't have the initiative to to play with it either. Probably, you know, still a kind of poor selection of games. We still get a ton of use out of the PS3. That's the primary console in my house, and... I still enjoy playing it, and I still enjoy playing older games. I was playing the first Infamous game a little bit earlier today, and uh, I still get a great deal of satisfaction playing that. I have it, thanks to that great uh, hacking incident with PSN a few years ago. It's like, here, have a free download. <laughs> we fucked up. Like, yeah, thanks. So I have it, but uh, yeah, I- I'm short attention span, as all the promotional artwork and blurbs online say i'm one of those geeks that likes things but if something else shiny comes out of the corner of my eye it's going to go that way too and then i'll forget that i was here in the first place it's a really fun place to be and i'm sure i'm not the only fan out there that suffers from this and that happens without you smoking pot right oh my god what would happen if i got totally baked would i be able to focus i know it would it would just be shut down just total mental shutdown yeah, I mean, I'm no fun. Yeah, <laughs> when you try to uh, inebriate me in some, with some foreign chemicals, because uh, years ago, Steve and I uh, were at a convention, an anime convention in Dallas, and uh, when I started drinking, I just fell asleep. Right? You you were snoring, and uh, as a matter of fact, I have it on film of you snoring on the bed after one drink. I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's got this blackmail material. I got to stay on Steve's good side because you guys don't need to see this big, bald freak uh, passed out with what, a beer in my hand or what was it? A wine cooler, a wine cooler, hard lemonade, something like that. Oh, Mike's hard lemonade. Yeah. And and conversely, I go for the two liter bottle of Coke and the big bottle of Crown. Um, 
the only really good thing to come out of Canada for me, I'm not making fun of Canada, I'm saying for me, the only good thing that's come out of Canada for me, uh, but I do like me some Crown, and I, I have seen the commercials re- recently of their apple-flavored Crown, and well, I'm kind of curious to try that. It's not going to mix well with Coke, that's for sure, uh, maybe with Sprite, but that is my, my drink of choice, particularly at conventions. Ah, nice. We got people like uh, Stody saying, yeah, for Black Friday, which, again, sorry, guys, it's after the fact, but we're recording this before Black Friday. He says, I'm going to get a large drink from McDonald's with a shitload of whiskey in it. It's like, okay, well, that that should make McDonald's taste better, right? I guess. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. I'm just glad they take Apple Pay because it works like a charm. But CVS, those bastards... They remove their contactless payment option. It's like, oh, we're not going to take it. Yeah. CBS also removed all tobacco products, too. So I guess at the same time, you got to kind of give them a little wink and nod. I think they did the right thing by doing that. Wink and nod. Is that two characters from The Hobbit? I, you know, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Remember, kids, it's at BB Broadcast. Um, yep. Tweet I, us, fuckers. Not, not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen The Hobbit or The Desolation of Smaug. I have no I interest saw, in the third one. Yeah, I saw the first three, the the Lord of the Rings, and they were boring. <laughs> I I didn't enjoy it. I thought they they dragged far, far, far too long, and they're all you know three hour plus movies. Yeah, wait till you see the the director's cuts. Oh God, you, you butt numathon t- to the extreme. But you know when you have it at home. You can watch at your own pace. So, yeah, you could draw it out and it's like, it took me eight weeks to watch this movie. And I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, okay. So far, it's taken me about 10 years to watch Serenity. That is still, you know, wrapped in the cellophane sitting on my... Dude, dude, yeah. The last time we, we had this podcast in existence before, back from 2005 to 2010. Serenity came out. It was a huge brown coat. I was trying to tell Steve, you got to watch this, dude. you got to watch Firefly, or at least watch Serenity. And I gave it to him for Christmas one year. And it's like, thanks, man. And I thought for sure within a month or two, it's like, yeah, i got some time. Never had time. But I think it's more than just not having time, not having interest. You can't force someone to be interested in what you're interested in. That's in my defense, lesson. I've always said once I finish my home theater and – Still, I have not finished my home theater, so... Oh, my God. Well, will you get it out before, like, episode 7 comes out on Blu-ray? Or HD uh, optical download through your eye? I might bring it to work one of these days. Um, I I do have a pretty sweet gig where I work in a house that has all the amenities, couches, recliners, um, widescreen, digital TV hanging on the wall with a Blu-ray player, and yada, yada, so... If anything, yeah, maybe I could check it out at work and get paid to watch this. <laughs> That's a sweet gig. That's like being a security guard. It's like never, hardly ever are you called upon to do what's in your job description. It's more like, I'm going to go, and here I am to go from home to there, and you're on the East Coast. You're like right outside Boston, so you deal with all the shitty winter weather. you got heaping snow off your car. You You get to work, and then... Pull out the laptop or whatever, your phone, and sit there and play for eight hours, right? Work on my book, yeah. Um, Work I mean, on your it's, book, it's, yeah. it's far from always being fun and games. You always have uh, yeah. challenging issues that arise. But, yeah, yeah, I am fortunate enough that I do have some downtime and I, I get to enjoy things like that. Um, one thing I think I'm 
kind of wondering if I'm going to enjoy it or not. We have an announcement now about the director for Wonder Woman from from DC uh, mm-hmm. Comics, and uh, I, I don't. It's Michelle something. I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Michelle. I, I don't have that page open right now. The weed kicked in. Yes, we got a, a, a veteran director who has uh, worked on, uh, let's see, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Game of Thrones. So a nice pedigree, to be sure, at least in terms of popular geek shows. Hasn't directed a feature film yet, um, but it is a woman directing a, a female lead. So I think that's rather interesting because there's been a lot of hate for both DC and Marvel for their lack of diversity in their um, movie universe. So it's great when a woman gets a standalone DC is bringing a woman to the forefront before Marvel and uh, to have a female director. I I think if it's going to be a little bit harder to sling some hate, although, you know, in the face of Gamergate, who knows, it could just be an absolute fucking disaster. (laughs) And before everyone goes, you sexist bastards, you're going to mention this, but oh, I can't remember her name. Some chicks directing. Okay. Michelle McLaren. Thank you, Google. <laughs> Michelle McLaren tapped to um direct Wonder Woman, which is not even on deck to be released until twenty seventeen. Oh, so does Marvel get um Captain Marvel out before that? Oh, is it? Oh my god. I, Quick, I, I open know. the Google and, and look at the Marvel slate. Uh, where does Captain Marvel fall in? <laughs> but um this this director also directed some episodes of X Files, and that's something that I really geeked out to you back in the day, and I always appreciated um what Chris Carter brought to the show. So if you directed X-Files episodes, yeah, that, that's kind of enough to make me want to give it a chance. Well, that's cool. I mean, considering she's one of the shows that I watch now, Walking Dead, and I have started Breaking Bad, never finished it, but like, I know it's good, damn it. Uh, uh, so yeah, I've got the article open here saying Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice hits theaters March 25th, 2016. And uh, then the Justice League, Justice League movie slated for 2017. Is Zack Snyder ever going to direct something that's not a superhero movie at this point? Don't know. Don't care. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. You're more of a Marvel guy, right? You're not a DC? I am a Marvel guy. I'm, I'm a fanboy in that regard. It, it's sad, but that's my bread and butter. Marvel. <laughs> Make mine Marvel. Marvelous. Um, hey, speaking of which. Yeah. Um. I don't listen to commercial radio. I, I bought a stereo a few years ago. Um, it's a Pioneer system, and it has a USB input. And I bought um, an 8-gig thumb drive, and I just packed it with all the music I love. And, and that's my music that I plug into the stereo, and that's what I listen to. Um, had some issues with my vehicle this past week, so I've been borrowing my wife's vehicle. And uh, she just has a standard CD player, and I can't find my CDs. God knows where the hell they are. But anyways, I've been listening to commercial radio lately, and I was really taken aback last night. I heard a commercial on a, for us anyway, over here on the East Coast, a very popular classic rock station. I heard a, a commercial for Marvel Comics, and it had nothing to do with their television series or their, their movie franchise. It was about the books. And that really blew my mind. In particular, they were talking about this uh, big Spider-Man event that's coming up. And it's bringing together all the different Spider-Men from all the different universes that um, exist in Marvel. The 2099 Spider-Man and this and that and the other. Um, it was wild to hear that as a commercial on a commercial radio station. And it made me think about last episode we were talking about, um, you know, geekdom 
not being a bad word anymore, being a geek or a nerd, it's not a slur. And to me, that really drove the point home to hear on a, on a classic rock station, which is geared to, you know, 30 to 50 year olds, most likely saying, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is the next big comic series coming from Marvel comics. Yeah. The, um, I mean, to, to take out a national ad campaign on, on either radio or TV at this point, uh, I'm sure it's a, you know, a super expensive endeavor, especially around points like, you know, the Super Bowl and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, when 90% of their business model of the, of the, of their income is the, the cinematic universe, not the comics. I mean, 10%, that, that's a pretty small piece of the pie when you think about it. Um, and yet that's, that's the source material for all this movies. I mean, I guess there is a clear-cut divide, though. There's people that are movie fans that will gladly go and watch the movies that want to have nothing to do with the comics. I'm like, I'll go see the Avengers. I'll go see all those Marvel movies. But it doesn't make me necessarily interested in starting to read the comic books. Does it hurt you as a fan of, of certain comic titles when you see those characters in the films? Because it um, seems to me it's yeah. almost like you have to choose one or the other. Are you going to follow the comics or follow the cinematic universe? Because if you do both, it's almost like you're destined to be disappointed. Yeah. It's just like anybody who reads a book and then compares it to the movie. You're always woefully disappointed because, Oh, how could they cut that scene out? And they changed this and this was too fast. And this is drawn out and terrible. I mean, just accept, I accept that there are differences in media. That's why on the most, for the most part, I accept when they make changes to a superhero's origins or a character's interaction with another character, or they change this, they change that. It makes sense to me. Uh, if you're going to market uh, to a movie going audience and 10% of your audience are the, are the hardcore. I mean, you, you, you don't want to totally alienate them, of course, but you got to think about big picture. What is going to, you know, you gotta, you gotta please the masses. You know, you can't please just a handful of people that are only there every comic release day going, oh my God, I can't believe they did this, you know. Now, where I'm at, we suffered very badly in the 90s with um, the the comic bubbles completely bursting. And we had a real hard time rebounding. And there aren't a lot of dedicated comic shops here. You have a lot of the uh, hybrid shops where you have uh, some new age music, um, maybe some not so mainstream publications, different magazines, literature books. And then they also have comic books as well. Is there still a thriving comic scene out there? Do people still gather around the shop aside from just on new comic day? I think the audience seems a little bit older, just like when you go to Comic-Con type shows. There's a lot of families. There's a lot of parents bringing their children. And yeah, there's still a contingency of, you know, teens and young adults that are that are obviously reading comics and manga and all that. But um, if you go into a comic shop now more than often, I mean, I see guys 30 plus easily, some in three-piece suits. They, they're coming in on their lunch hour from their day jobs. And it's like, these guys, these girls, the, the, this is the demographic now for comic? I mean, it's cool. It's just kind of unexpected. I don't know. Well, fuck, look at the cover price, you know? I think it's, it's being targeted at the only um, market that can purchase those I, i'm i haven't bought comics like, like i said since uh since the 90s when, when the bubble burst i felt really burnt it, it always was a, a hindrance to me being such a huge spider-man fan because spider-man was and still is marvel's flagship character so spider-man is going to appear everywhere and you're going to have a bunch of spin-offs and new series and mini series 
And I tracked those all down. I was a total uh, OCD completist. I had to have everything Spider-Man and um, with the Cone Saga and everything. And the death of Superman definitely hurt, I think, uh, the entire comics industry. Mm -hmm. I had to fade out. But looking now at some of the... uh, the, the cover prices for just regular monthly issues. It's shocking for me. That, that sticker shock having not purchased books since the nineties. Yeah. And um, I, I switched from actual hard copies to digital. Once I got an iPad, I just found it way more convenient. And I'm one of those guys that has tons of long boxes in storage. I mean, back in the nineties, that was when I was hardcore into it. And I was buying a bunch of shit. That's of course worthless now. And was worthless then, but everyone was on the spec the, the spectator market for like, oh my god, this is going to be worth something because it's got a chromium cover. Yeah, well, they printed eight billion of them, so too bad on that. Um, but I've noticed that the price is the same uh, for the most part, especially whether it's Marvel or DC or Image or whatnot. You're paying the same price now. You don't get the ads, and sometimes you don't even get the extras. Some people think the letter column is kind of cool to have. Uh, but but some of the companies don't even include that. When you download it, it's like okay, four ninety five, four ninety nine a, a copy for the brand new Avengers. Like oh, okay, and then you read it and still okay, twenty four pages. But um, you're done in ten minutes, and then what? Yeah, it's, it, it's not like you can necessarily resell it. Not when you download it. I do think that that was the one good thing that came out of the the bubble bursting was it made digital comics acceptable because that speculators market all but evaporated uh, we know now that there's not going to be another action comics number one or detective comics number one something that you know years from now is going to be worth three million dollars with, with the recent uh, sale of action comics number one um because of the the oversaturation so i, I dig that di- that move to digital i think it, it makes it more accessible to certain audiences i was just griping about how we don't really have a, a thriving comic scene here so i would probably be more inclined to download from my computer or my phone than to go into a store and peruse the shelves Mm -hmm. yeah i'm looking in the chat and frank who designed our our artwork uh says x-force 30 variant covers character cards included 30 in all it's like i don't know is he saying that that's what he has because man (laughs) i mean even back then it was like what two or three dollars an issue or maybe even less I'm trying to I think remember. It was a little less. I, I think it for me it was peaking around like a dollar ninety nine, but that it was that issue of buying you know those thirty different variant covers that came out every month that were attached to all the big titles. I have the, the hologram covers, the wraparound color covers, the sketch covers, the the color variant covers. Um, I get out at a good time, and I was able to to make a lot of money in the process. So I kind of pat myself on the back there. But um, there's a lot of shit that I bought, too. There's a lot of shit that I have in my long boxes that they're always going to be shit. There's never going to be a market for them. I probably wouldn't even get cover price for them. And the sad part is I didn't enjoy them when I read them, so I really can't blame anybody. Um, So I I think we'll continue to have good stories. That that whole uh, bag-boarded collector's market, Yeah, I I don't think there's much of a future left for that. No, and I I have a lot of that stuff from the old days i mean i like walking into a physical store and i remember the the thrill of the hunt like like i did with action figures too it's like i'm going from toys r us to walmart's to kmart's to 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 kb toys remember that place uh on the hunt for things it's like uh now you just you you get older 
the drive isn't quite what it is, and now it's just instant gratification. I'll just get it off eBay. Yeah, I'll pay more than I should, but uh, at least I'll have it. With all those figures, uh, you know, Gentle Giant and, and all those other companies that do these really beautiful, articulated, scaled-up uh, figures, yeah, they, they all have these giant online stores, and it, it beats having to, you know, people aren't ordering through Diamond Select anymore to get this really cool merchandise. Yeah, what I noticed about when if I found some cool figures that no other toy store had, like KB Toys, they had a lot of cool shit, but their stickers would be on the package in such a way that you would ruin the package if you tried to peel the sticker off. It's kind of funny when you look at old vintage Star Wars ones, like the, the plastic Cape Jawa or whatever. It's like, here it is, it's $1,000, and it's got this crappy old Toys R Us sticker on there or, or whatever it is. And then, you know, you don't dare peel it off because you're going to ruin the package. Absolutely. I have a uh, 78 Ben Kenobi with a uh, Woolbush sticker on it. And yeah, I, I dare not even attempt to peel any of that sticker off. <laughs> I got a, a friend of mine I went to high school with. He ended up giving me his 1978 or was it 8? 79 uh, Kenner alien figure. You know, it's like 12 inches, 18 inches, a real tall figure, but it has like it looks like a human skull. At the, at the forefront of the alien figure, and you could take the, the, the skull cap off, kind of. Uh, thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, it was kind of in pieces, but I still took, I still took it because I'm a huge alien buff. And it's like, all right, it's not worth a lot, but that would have been cool to, to go back in the day and, and find that sort of thing because, yeah, the whole the toy thing, Kenner obviously trying to cash in. Well, Star Wars, it worked, but now we're going to make it from R-rated movies, and we're going to build... Now it works. Now it makes sense that you can have action figures and toys and collectibles because that audience is older, and, and it can do quite well because people are, are willing to pay a premium. But you go back to the 70s when this whole action figures and merchandise start flying off the shelves, you could tell that the, the companies were looking to find a way. It's like... Uh, we could get our money back somehow. Uh, I know it's rated R and the kids can't come see it, but we're still going to market to them. That still cracks me up, you know, that you have aliens, predators, um, even horror figures, and they're targeted at that, that tween audience. And it's weird, you know, like Toxic Avenger had its own animated series for a while. I said Robocop. It's, uh, skewed. It's, it's definitely disturbing i think to a certain extent but yeah the figure thing um you right now marvel's doing a throwback um they they've done that with a lot of masters of the universe figures and now marvel is set, uh, setting up a secret wars pack and i'm not sure how it's going to be distributed I, I think certain stores will get it um they've re revealed two of the figures so far one's hobgoblin and i don't remember who the other one was right now but it's a five or six figure set for secret wars done in the old style because that's you know, Marvel's revisiting the Secret Wars, so to kind of get on the bandwagon and bring the fans in a little bit more. But, you know, having said all that, I also see comics doing what I complain the most about movie franchises doing and, and rebooting and, and revisiting old storylines. So when I start hearing, you know, Marvel's revisiting Secret Wars, that was a great series. It certainly was. I don't need it revisited. Yeah, and, and uh, this past week, Right before we started recording this episode, I saw you know, I followed James Gunn. He directed Guardians of the Galaxy, and he was very frank and came forward and, and, and talked about his position on the shared universe idea and how he thinks that's kind of a mistake. It's 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 kind of telegraphing without 
allowing the stories to be told and and because you're always worried about the bigger picture and how things are going to fit into that. And I thought that was a really bold statement considering his success with Guardians and the, his position to obviously continue with like Guardians 2 or, or maybe even 3 and just to come forward almost in in in, in polar opposition to what's like here's my parent company's stance and i i don't think it's a good idea and here's why and he's making he's making perfect sense it's like what you were saying on our last episode it's the house of cards thing i I think it's really scary that all it takes is one of those franchises to fail and everything else is just going to you know the domino effect it's all going to fail successively so it's kind of hard when you're hitching your you're hitching your wagon to all these other characters and all these other franchises i'm sure he'd like that freedom to kind of do what he wants going forward and not be so concerned about telegraphing all those blows. And that's definitely what I was saying last episode. You you have so much spelled out for such a period of time. It takes away that mystique, that mystery. And uh, you can kind of guesstimate, you know, who's going to live and who's going to die. And I don't need that five, six, seven years going out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, I think he's gone on record saying, no, it's not going to tie into Avengers three or, or, or whatever. And it's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably had a little secret fight behind the doors with Marvel and I'm sure they wanted to. It's like, Hey, let's have the, these guys show up. You know, the fans want to see it. It's like, yeah, the fans want to see it, but you got to think about the greater good of the story. Um, and I guess that's the nice part about guardians of the galaxy is it kind of, it, it's almost its own franchise within a franchise. It goes back to Raimi's uh, Spider-Man 3 when you're just trying to cram too much in. It doesn't make it a better film. It, it makes it more to have to track and, and kind of follow what's going on. Um, and I think having a shared universe may also have the same effect on some people because you might feel, well, I have to see them all to be able to follow this winding path to whatever the, the final uh, epic jaunt's going to be. Do I need to see them all? Do I, do I need to see the next Avengers to know what's going to go on in the next Captain America? Do I need to see the next Captain America to know what's going on in Infinity Wars? Um, that seems a little taxing. Again, it's almost like what I went through with comics in the 90s. We had to go after all those character appearances that were showing up in these other issues. Um, and I, I certainly hope that's not the case, but at the same time, I don't want a 15-minute, 20-minute recap either. <laughs> yeah, let's move forward. You don't have to read the Cliff's Notes. They don't want to have to uh, pass out uh, these little flyers to the audience beforehand. I still have that somewhere. Uh, when I saw Dune, the first uh, the David Lynch film in 1984, they actually passed out a flyer that had a definition of all these different terms because that universe is so jam-packed with detail that they actually feared that the audience wouldn't be able to keep up with everything. So I could totally see Marvel doing that. It's like, you remember when this, when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell and this, and then and this took over, and then like, uh, okay, all right. I'd prefer that kind of to DC's take, though, because I, I know you try to go into the spoiler-free, but you can't help but see some pictures that come across your Facebook or Twitter feed. And, you know, we know pretty conclusively right now they're filming the assassination of... Uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne again with a young Bruce Wayne. Do we need to see that origin again? We just went through that not too long ago with Nolan's reboot. I think we understand where this character came from, what his origin is. That's sucking up a lot of valuable uh, time in a tentpole film to show us this all over again. I have no idea how much time they're going to spend on it, but from the uh, multitude of set pictures and and set film that people have leaked on the internet, it looks pretty significant. <laughs> 
Yeah, I uh, I have to laugh because Frank's in the chat room still responding to the Dune reference. Quizax Hatterack. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a, a Jewish circumcision ceremony. Well, I don't know. It's a Dune thing. Yeah, they're rebooting The Crow. That's right. The creators say like, oh, yeah, let's 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 reboot this. Reboots. Why are people all about reboots? Or, or you know, again, we talked about this last time, how, you know, if enough time passes, the audience will forgive. Uh, well, it's been time, quite some time since Jurassic Park has uh, come across our uh, cinematic viewing. 1993 is when the first one came out, and then you had Lost World, and then you had the third one, Bring Sam Neill Back. Uh, for that and all of them made you know a lot of money and uh, you could argue that like just with indiana jones that the first one was indeed the best and they probably should have left it alone but you know when you make money you got to make a sequel so now we got uh, jurassic world chris pratt you could almost you know hear the marketing table go like let's get someone that people know let's get like the star the biggest movie of the summer uh, from a marvel movie and put him in here they'll trust him because he's chris pratt star lord man you know, and then you get that. Uh, and then I was laughing because Veronica Belmont um, on Twitter puts this meme up. Who the hell thought Jurassic World? Yeah, let's give this theme park thing another go. It's like, oh, enough time has passed. You know, people have died on this island. We're bringing back all this. But yes, it's totally fine to make a theme park out of it all. I was watching um, A New Hope with my kids a couple nights ago. And I was criticizing the crap out of it. And, and my wife was very uh, upset because I, I was ruining everybody else's fun. But I had legitimate questions about, you know, only 18 years had passed from the uh, the end of the prequels to the beginning of A New Hope. And it just didn't seem like enough period of time, you know, uh, to being criticized for for staying adherent to that ancient religion it's like wait a minute you know the jedi temple was prominent on coruscant 18 years ago you probably were serving the empire during the clone wars at the time and people forget everything in 18 years so i guess if we expand that theory out to to all the movie universes then yeah maybe 18 years oh yeah let's, let's do another dinosaur theme park my bigger concern though is star lord and that's because i've become a very casual movie watcher prefer to watch educational television documentaries things of that nature mm -hmm. i don't get out to theaters much but if something really calls to me um like the marvel films i'll go see it theatrically now you also brought up uh raiders of the lost ark now what i dug about raiders was i was a big fan of star wars in 77 um and the Navy with empire and han solo is a very polarizing character yet when i saw raiders of the lost ark i didn't see han solo um, Harrison Ford was certainly that diverse of an actor to make me believe that this was this entirely different and new character on the screen. I'm hoping uh, Pratt can do the same thing because he's really made that splash with um, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm not familiar with any of his work outside of that, but I did see Guardians of the Galaxy. So I dug Star-Lord and I dug that cocky swagger. Yeah, yeah, he's like the Han Solo of Guardians, but he he makes it his own and he 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 owns it. He's really really good at it, and I've I've got faith that he can he can separate it and make this uh, uh, stand out. And I think he just signed on for another thing. Was like what was it, Cowboy Ninja Viking? <laughs> this new genre film, which is probably the title tells you everything that they probably had in the pitch meeting. It's like it's a cowboy and a ninja and a Viking. He he could do it all. Uh, okay, and we get Star Lord. Star 
some comic graphic novel that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, Big Hero 6 was just obscure, too, until now. I still want to know what Marvel's whole plan was with really pulling back on the, the Marvel tagline with Big Hero 6. At first it was, you know, they were pretty upfront about it being based on a Marvel comic and everything. But towards the end of the marketing, the word Marvel was not mentioned. No, not so much. I, I don't know what the overall plan there is, but I guess... You know, if you go into the theme parks, I, I figure in the next 10 years, you're going to see Darth Vader walking hand in hand with Iron, Ma- Iron Man. I almost said Iron Maiden. <laughs> Why not? Let's have Eddie from Iron Maiden just <laughs> walking around a theme park. I, I, I'd i buy it. I like all that stuff. Yeah, um, Darth Vader, Iron Man, and Kermit <laughs> all holding hands, strolling through the park. <laughs> I'm looking at the chat room, and Robert J. Knighty says, Han Solo plus Marty McFly equals Star-Lord. I've never heard Star-Lord referred to as a Marty McFly hybrid. Definitely Han Solo, though. Definitely Han Solo. <laughs> Definitely got the swagger. But, uh, yeah, the Jurassic World thing, um, I saw Kevin Smith actually uh, talk about seeing that, that initial trailer and going, oh, man, I feel old because you see this giant shark <laughs> uh, being eaten by this giant uh, dinosaur like it's a sea world type thing it's like oh the this was the thing that created my childhood fears and now you know it's being enveloped by this dinosaur thing which i think is a big in joke as it's spielberg's thing and he's you know the executive producer and whatnot does that make you feel older knowing that hey jaws is part of my childhood too and now it's just like oh it's kind of a joke because jo- what's jaws compared to you know a whole bunch of dinosaurs Jaws made me afraid to go in the water. Jaws made me so afraid to go in the water that it didn't matter if it was fresh water or salt water. I did not want to be in that body of water after seeing Jaws. It left that kind of impact on me. Now, also, because of my locale, I've had the opportunity to visit Martha's Vineyard, where Jaws was filmed. And fuck no, get near the water over there. No way. (laughs) Yeah, why would you want to? But I wonder wonder if they named that shark Bruce. That'd be funny. That would be funny. <laughs> oh, man. And we got uh, in our chat, Stody goes, then a, and then a Jaeger shows up and kills all the dinos. I'm like, all right. Well, Legendary is one of the producers on the film. Why not? We could have a shared universe. I got to admit, that was my thought that I was just having was, uh, you know, with the popularity of Pacific Rim and Godzilla, is the Jurassic Park franchise just going to turn into like this kaiju-esque franchise? I'm down for it if, you know, they want to have Godzilla and Pacific Rim Jaegers uh, team up and all that. You know, speaking of mashups, did you see the Batman versus Darth Vader short? I did. I I watched it once, and as my jaw was still hanging agape, I had to share that with my kids on YouTube. That was phenomenal. I don't know uh, who does this kind of thing, you know, with their money and their time, but holy crap, it's one of the most impressive things I've seen on the Internet in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, chances are they did it with you know their their phones and you know on their laptop or or whatever. Just uh, throw some pings here and there. And like, yeah, really impressive. It's like, oh my god, I don't know if all these sets were green screen or not. Probably, but uh, it blended really well. And obviously the the the, the attention to detail and the costumes were were really kick ass. And it's like, okay, I had no idea that um, this sort of thing would happen. 
I'm used to in the anime fandom world where people are shipping characters. And I thought, what does that mean? Like FedEx? I'm like, no, shipping, as in you want to see this character end up with this character. And then, like, on, on a broader scale, instead of shipping, people are going, dude, you know, what if? And I'm sure your kids do this too, right? It's like, I'm going to have Batman face off against Darth Vader because that's what we did as kids. I won't give it away for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Go see it now um, on YouTube. But um, I had to agree with the ending. It, it took me a minute. And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'd have to have it go that way, too. <laughs> it's true. It, it, it took me back. It's like, there's not a, well, okay, I'm not giving it away. Not giving it away. Uh, but, but, but search it out. And at the very least, whether you like it or not, you can say that, oh, my God, some people paid real close attention. They look like they spent, you know, movie money on this thing. They look like they had a really big budget. Now it's like, it comes out of nowhere, man. You know, go back 10 years and you had, what was it? Uh, dead end. Was that the, the fan film with Batman that suddenly like, aliens and predators show up in it? I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you could tell uh, they didn't have a tremendous budget for it. it. It certainly wasn't anything like this Batman versus Darth Vader, but, uh, Wow, you know, you you talk about the potential for legitimate crossovers. Talk about Disney, you know, where they have Star Wars, and wouldn't that be something to see some Marvel characters pop up in that that Disney universe, in that uh, Star Wars universe? I'd be all about that. I want to see it all, just like you know, just like you're, you're a kid and you've got toys from different shows and movies, but you have them all playing together, right? I mean, why not? Because you don't know you don't and you don't you don't care you don't know and you don't care that these are all from different corporations and this would never happen because everyone would would fight about the profits just like you do with all these you know japanese mashup video games that have all these characters that people would buy a gazillion copies of but it'll never be uh brought over here in a domestic form because they they argue about oh yeah we can't make enough money on it then we're not going to dub it into english either and like oh god come on guys I'm looking at the clock here. We're already very quickly running out of time. Uh, any last minute little tidbits we need to throw out there? Gosh, tidbits. Well, you know, you hear us talking about the chat room. We do have a chat room. Uh, we record our show on Tuesday nights. Um, not sure when the uh, episode posts here on Smodco, but if you want to be a part of the show, you can follow us live on at BB Broadcast on Twitter, and then you'll be able to. Uh, uh, get links to join our chat room as well as our live audio stream and give some nice input. Uh, you can tell us the topics you want to talk about um, and all that fun stuff. I don't know if you guys can hear, but my upstairs neighbors are cranking music right now. I don't hear it. and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Oh, I don't know. It depends if people have the uh, premium version of Smodco. They can, <laughs> they can hear it in higher quality. I know that, my chair squeaking. Yeah, they hear, they hear my chair squeaking, and uh, you know uh, my my laundry ding went off uh, a few minutes ago, and people in the chat room goes, "Ha, ah, laundry, <laughs> laundry." Rar, it's just says Bowchickabow. Well, there are girls upstairs, and there are a lot of guys that come and go out of there. Hmm, wonder what's going on. What's up with that? Hey, puppy, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. Oh God. Yeah, oh, we had um, Robert J. Knighty say, let's talk about Gotham. Have you seen Gotham at all? I haven't, and uh, it's one of those sad things. It's not for lack of interest. I, I just don't have enough hours in a day. 
Yeah, I'm I'm behind. I've watched like the first three, and one of them was just completely ludicrous. It almost made me want to just give up on the show. And then I fell in love with Constantine, and I'm hoping that'll stick around. I'm honestly shocked at a show that violent and dealing with all the the issues that it does with with supernatural entities and God and Satan and all this stuff. It's like this is on NBC. This really graphic death and blood and gore. It's like we have Walking Dead to thanks for the for making things like that mainstream, and at least networks are amping up their game. But uh, I appreciate that Constantine is doing this big social media push that hashtag save Constantine. Uh, so they're going to cap the production at 13 eps this season, and season two will happen as long as people are, are vocal about it and watch on, like what I do, I don't have cable, I just watch it on Hulu. And, you know, whether you DVR it or stream it, that all counts. Thank God, because Nielsen ratings is a really outdated way of keeping track of this shit. I uh, I was almost a Nielsen Raider last year. I, I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> I don't know if I could talk like publicly about it or if I'm under some kind of disclosure, but it's very, very, very demanding to have a Nielsen box and the, the diaries you have to keep and everything um, kind of, I guess, as backups to the data. It's very intensive, and I just I couldn't commit to that type of thing without getting paid for it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I know that when I worked in radio, the, they uh, they had diaries for Arbitron, which is like Nielsen's for radio. And I never understood how it's like, we're going to have 500 families fill out diaries, and listen, based on their listening habits, we're going to determine how many parts per 100,000 people or million people um, is, is listening. It's like, I don't know how they come up with that equation. I don't understand marketing and all that. It just seemed like an alien foreign thing, but at least now with streaming and people going online on demand, there is definitely a track. You can track how many people from where, you know, all the ports and whatnot, they're, they're, they're logging in, you know, we, we can have all the stats whether, you know, how many dozen people <laughs> bother downloading this show. It's nice having that though. It is nice having that. And speaking of stats, you know, we want to bump those numbers up on our Twitter feed, our Facebook feed. So definitely go and follow us there and keep track of all our comings and goings. And I don't know about the comings. Yeah. Naps after that. But. Yeah. The comings might be a little bit sticky, but, but overall, I think it's a good thing. So yeah, you want to listen to the end credits here. We'll tell you how to get in touch and how to follow us and all that fun stuff. But basically we're at the end of episode two. That feels good the time flew by it just melted away i could go another two three hours right now ah yes well in order for it to, for the listener to do that they'd have to listen to the next episode and the next episode after that and they could just binge marathon big ball broadcast which of course would make us all very happy right right oh yeah we want to thank everyone for stopping in as we did our live stream uh on tuesday nights here we got people in the chat room. I want to give a shout out to Jesse Lynn, Hero, Frank Chasm, Robert J90, Salitha Mystique, The Stody, Raritz Jess, Pax Mavietti, Exa Hidera, and God knows who else other people uh, were out there listening. Uh, and thank you for uh, checking out Big Ball Broadcast here on Smodco Internet Radio and Smodcast.com. And uh, we'll do it again soon. Make sure uh, you tune in, as it were. I don't know what the proper verbiage is for that we're, we're streaming and downloadable it's not broadcast but yet we call it big ball broadcast we just smile and nod at this point right that's what i'm doing literally smiling no. ah fair enough fair enough all right well till next time this is kyle a bear and this is otherworld steve see y'all 
Special thanks to Mike Dent and Francisco Franco. Music heard in this podcast provided by Perimeter of the Void. Follow us at BB Broadcast on Twitter and email us at thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. Tusk is coming to Blu-ray and digital on December 2nd. Justin Long and Michael Parks take you on the strangest cinematic journey yet. Pre-order Tusk on iTunes, Amazon Instant Video, or pick up a Blu-ray DVD copy signed by Kevin Smith from The Secret Stash.